Kentucky Route Zero, Treachery in Beatdown City, and a spoiler-free discussion of The Last of Us Part 2. This is Staying In. Daniel, I need your advice. Come on then. Come and, come and, and take a seat. Now. Come and sit on my knee. Can we, can we get rid of the other two? Because I feel like it's quite, quite private. Well, we're on Zoom, That's Sam, fine. and you're in control, so you can create breakout rooms. All right, Just hang on. send me and Pete away. Hang on. Just do a couple of clicks here. Yeah, I think I think that's them gone now. Yeah, so Dan, right. Just me and you, we're uh, all alone. Just just us two. Yeah. yeah. I need your help to buy I, I want to buy my wife a present and but I'm thinking like what's a good present to buy someone who's pregnant and I'm finding it really really difficult because I can't buy clothes. I feel like jewelry's a bit of a waste. Because I've already bought, like, you know, the big piece of jewellery. You know, the jewellery that matters. Nothing really tops a engagement ring. And, you know, I bought I bought her a big brush for the garden the other day. And that didn't go down well. So, I feel like I, <laughs> I, feel like I need some... And, like, today, I had to go out to my car to get something. And she was like, oh, is it a present? And I was like, no. And then I, I'm feeling, like, really under pressure to, like get her something really nice but i just have no idea what to to get her so i need i need some help and advice okay do you do good. you need the present to be now or the or can it or is it for the for a future time as soon as possible really i'm on a knife okay. edge here because what you could do uh is is obviously uh your wife been pregnant she obviously can't do a lot of things that she probably likes to do typically oh i know i know i know at the moment i'm doing all the picking up around the house so i could get her one of those those claw things okay so, can... so your your solution is for her to do some of the jobs that you're doing <laughs> that's not a great solution i'm giving her back the independence that she has lost because of our but is son. but tell me is the is the picking up of things around the house something that she's talked about oh i really really miss doing that <laughs> no no but, is that the independence that she's lost? Or is it perhaps more to do with the fact that she can't have a glass of wine? Okay. Mm. So you could do yep. like a like a like a like a um a hamper type thing. That's obviously closer to kind of the end of the pregnancy where you can be like, here's something you can enjoy, look look forward to all this nice stuff. But obviously if it's too far ahead, you're just gloating. Like an incentive package. Yeah. Okay. Or if you if you want, now this is another option. Now this is actually a really good option. So okay, um, I'm listening. So you so you may want to make sure she doesn't listen to this episode. I'll get the notepad out for this. Yeah, because you could. This, genuinely, I'm going for a serious option now. The hamper was a light-hearted one. This is a serious one. If she doesn't already have one, you could get her a charm bracelet, and then you could get a charm to represent either the pregnancy or the birth. And the idea could be that you are building memories and you can get charms. And the good thing about this, Sam, is in the future, you've always got an option for a present. Just get another charm. Mm. Okay. I like that idea. I like that because idea it's, a Because it's something now. It's a piece of jewellery, yep. which is nice. And you, yep. can get re- yep. you can get really nice uh, charm bracelets. Places. There are many shops available. I'm not gonna, you can do the research on that. And then you can get charms for specific things. It means specific things. That's what I, I do for my wife. On the, for specific events, I will buy her a charm which represents something. It's only okay. small. It's only a little trinket, but it's it's a nice memory. So there you go. I like that. But what, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to bring the other guys back in. Right, okay, open, open the door to the breakout rooms. 
There we go. And um, I said, Vicar, if that's uh, what you're, you've been doing over there, then uh, why is the priest over there? <laughs> and Pete, what, and, and Pete, what did the publishers say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they rejected the idea. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Yeah, Dan and Dan and I are finished now. Oh, right, okay. You feel was... good now, Sam. You feel like you've got ideas. Better, can you believe? Can you believe that we studied theatre for multiple years? What? And that that was the best. And that was the best we could have done out of that last bit. Yeah. And FYI, Sam, isn't a large brush for a garden a broom? <sighs> difficult. I mean, it. I mean, it's not difficult. It's a broom. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll see. Well, if we're getting into semantics, the broom that I actually bought is called a bulldozer broom, and it's actually it's a broom. two. And it's actually got like two <laughs> broom heads on it, so it's like a. It's got like a double. It's got like a, like a double broom. So if you've got, if you're right. I'm not saying that you are, but if you're right and there's brush, broom, then what? What's the like plural of, or what's the bigger version of a broom? A big broom, because that's what I've got. But it's, it's, it doesn't stop it being a broom. I mean, your your entire argument was undercut by the fact that you introduced it as being a broom. No, no, but hold on a second. I think there's a good. I think there's a good point here, right? <laughs> Dang, I'm Pete, Pete. No, there's not. No, there's not. No, there is. You're about to explain right? why a bulldozer broom is not a broom. There's a philosophical. There's a philosophical thing here, right? If you have, at what point? How many grains of rice does it take to get to it being a pile of rice? Mm. Yeah. When does when does a brush become a broom? Right. Yeah. Because at some point it's a toothbrush. Right. Yeah. So when does it become a tooth broom? Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean. The, I mean, again, this is quite simple. The structure of a toothbrush is not the same structure as a broom. I mean, I'd love to walk into your bathroom, Pete, and they're on the sink in the in the, the little cup, you know, shaver. <laughs> yeah. I, have my te- I, I have my teeth broom broomed. In there. I have my teeth broomed twice a year. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, dearie. I did like the idea, though, if Hogwarts went to war, that they'd have the little brooms as kind of the artillery, but the tank would be the bulldozer broom. Yeah, I've, I've I've got it. I understand the difference now. A brush you hold with one hand, a broom you have to use two. No. Yeah, I like it. If, if, you, like if you're it. a professional, you only need one hand for the broom. Well, what are you doing with the other one? Just waving. <laughs> Just <laughs> waving! Just waving! Hi, everyone! I'm brooming! <laughs> I think, Dan, this says more about you than it does about us. Yeah. <laughs> Rarely on the pod are we. At, let's let's be honest. We're not often the first to the, the newest thing, the newest hotness. Oh, we? no. we're not straight out the gate. We like we're to take our time, pouncing on yeah. things. Yes, exactly. We we like to actually talk about things that we know we like. We have time to consider it. That being said, I am under the view that you have the Last of Us Part Two. Can I ask? Is it as funny as people say? <laughs> hilarious man it is i do you know i know almost nothing about the last of us 2 apart from these these facts one it is the sequel to the last of us two it looks really nice like visually looks really really good and three some bad people on the internet don't like it for some reason and i haven't looked into why and i don't really want to know why but i know they're bad people so i assume the game is quite good yes 
Right, let's get into this. So, <laughs> roll your sleeves up. First, firstly, because I, I spoke to Sam about this briefly uh, beforehand, um, I think yeah. I speak for both of us where we say we're not talking about the story at all. Because okay. it's, I think, as you get, anyone who's played The Last of Us 1, you obviously know the story's a massive part of the appeal of that game. So it's obviously going to be a massive part of the appeal of the second game. So we're not going to touch on that. Doesn't mean we say there is lots I could talk about. That's nothing to do with the story. Okay. Because really, here's the thing. For me, the thing I didn't like about The Last of Us was when it was a game. And like the thing I liked about The Last of Us is when it was just trying to tell a story. That was the thing I really liked about The Last of Us. Whenever it was actually trying to be like, oh yeah, by the way, we're sort of like, I guess, third person survival horror. That so, was when it didn't really work for me. So have they improved that? So the short answer is yes. Both Dan and I went back and played The Last of Us, the, the remastered version, just before getting this again. And also I played Left Behind as well, the DLC for the first time. Yes, I, I finished Left Behind literally the day before I got my copy of Part 2. So I've literally gone straight through the entire first game, the entire DLC, straight into that one. So there's been no kind of break point for me. And Left Behind is a, is a crucial part of the puzzle, really, because when I was replaying The Last of Us, I was the same as you, Pete, where like aesthetically and from a design point, both in narrative and environmental design like that game is you know it's on point it's absolutely stunning it still looks incredible now today considering it was out it was released seven years ago Mm. but mechanically the game is a bit pants and i think at the time the story was and how they presented the story was so great and like nothing we'd really seen before in a computer game that i think we forgave it for the fact that every single puzzle involved a pallet on some water and (laughs) you know you couldn't dodge and the stealth system didn't feel like it really worked and for me playing it again the last of us kind of felt like right we've got all this third person stuff that we use for uncharted let's just put that in the game and like the story's the forefront like the story is what we really want to get home with and mechanics are kind of felt like they were second place mm. which was confirmed for me when i watched a documentary for left behind and some of the developers there was they said you know after last of us shipped left behind was our chance to make improvements on the mechanics you know stuff they wanted to put in into the last of us but didn't have time to so left behind is a fascinatingly more mechanically deep game than the last of us like there's a lot of nuance in the battle so they introduce things where you can essentially get the human enemies to fight off against the infected which is something that just wasn't in the last of us at all and ellie feels like a lot more of a of a stronger character to play but it but just just on that just on like looking at the left behind that exact kind of technique of utilizing against each other as they've done in all the game previously that's never said to you it never says you could do this but it presents you with a situation where that becomes apparent to you that oh i could do this and suddenly you kind of make that decision yourself without a little message coming up saying oh maybe you could do this and so again it's it's that thing of involving you in the game more well you see i have a problem with that because I think there is stuff in Last of Us Part 2 that they tell you about that you could actually do in The Last of Us and they don't tell you about 
that I really would have wanted them to tell me about the stuff that I could have done in The Last of Us because I think I would have enjoyed it more. Like what tends to happen with with Naughty Dog is I feel they kind of use their each of their games, their sequential games, as like testing and proving grounds to improve the games that come after them. So I think after after they sort of mastered how story was going to be told in The Last of Us, in Uncharted 4, they were like, right, we've got story down and how we want actually to direct the piece. Let's have a focus on mechanics. And in Uncharted 4, it actually has a stealth system that kind of works. And also it deals with that transition, Uncharted 4, between being in stealth and then going into action a lot better than The Last of Us did. Whereas it always felt like in The Last of Us that you were being punished in some way for activating a load of runners or being found out because the situations were incredibly difficult to then get out of. Uncharted 4, I think, was them examining ways of actually making it not feel like you were punished for not taking down all the enemies and not being found like it's a perfectly reasonable tactic to tactically take down the stuff that you can deal with and then shift into action or if you were found you weren't you didn't feel punished for 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 doing that so then last of us part two comes along and it really does feel like the culmination of all that work coming into it because when i was replaying the first game suddenly I realised that for that game to be a success and to really tell the story that I think they wanted to tell, the mechanics have to be super tight and super functional. Because if you're trying to tell a really like highly realised drama, then the mechanical gameplay needs to reinforce that. And like those moments in The Last of Us where you walk into a place and it's just like loads of waist high boxing, just like, well, now this is generic third person shooter time. And, you know, the, the story has to do a lot more a lot more work i have to have to say just just on that point i when i first when i've played both times when i played the last of us one we've t- we've talked about this in the past where there is a point of the game where i was really enjoying it feeling the realism of the game and then you literally you enter like an open space with a load of waist high random boxes and like the sheen is broken you're like okay this is what the game is now i've been playing number two for a good few hours now i've had nothing like that the realism and the context of the world has remained doesn't mean to say there aren't waist high things but in every situation where there is something waist high for you to crouch behind there is a contextual reason for it to be there and so that makes Good. perfect sense for me mm. because that was that always bugged me it was just that one moment in the last of us because it was you were doing so well and now this just feels lazy and does it have that naughty dog trademark of you dropping from a height and you you clearly know that the level behind has disappeared and they've just used less so. kind of there are, there are some so. occasions but it is less, less apparent so. that i realized a lot more when i was playing the remastered version the first one those drops happen a lot and i i, I know the reason for that and you know in order to make the game that they actually made it was necessary because of the different system it's on now that is in there but it's not as not as much okay no now, you can't really talk about the story too much, obviously, but can you just talk about the feeling of it? Because I find The Last of Us, I found The Last of Us, sorry, a very tense experience. There were moments of beauty, exquisite beauty in it, but mm. overall it's a very tense experience, which is one of the reasons why I didn't jump out and buy it straight away. I, I think I can kind of encapsulate how the game, the feeling of the game and how it starts without spoiling stuff. So there's a moment in The Last of Us where Ellie runs off from Joel 
and Joel finds her in a house and he finds her reading a diary and she's reading it out loud and she turns to Joel and goes, is this all they had to worry about? You know, she's reading a teenager's diary and it's all about like, you know, the person that, that I fancy or the partner that I want to be with or isn't, doesn't school suck? And she's just like, is this all they had to worry about? Like, is this all that their life was? And when part two starts, Ellie's in that place. Like, she's finally able to worry about those. Like, those are the things that are concerning her. Like, those are the things that are actually taking up her headspace. So, like, her, her social life is finally the thing that she's worrying about rather than, you know, her immunity or her need to find safety and security. So, already the game starts with this feeling of support i think you feel more supported as a player so i've been finding a lot of the moments a lot less tense because of that because whereas last of us one was felt a lot more sort of claustrophobic and you felt a lot more isolated as joel i think here you feel ellie is a stronger character and there are certain things that the mechanics do that i mean the story backs it up but there are certain things that the mechanics First of all, you no longer need to hunt out shivs. Ellie's just always got a knife. And I didn't realise it until we played part two, but I was like, that is the one thing that makes Joel feel like an incredibly weak character in The Last of Us. The fact that every location, every skirmish or battle I now go, go into with Ellie, I didn't have to worry about, oh, maybe I should save that sieve for that clicker, or maybe I should save that shiv for... Uh, for one of those doors I need to open and get all the good things out. So I guess I should just try and avoid everything or try and take everything out. With Ellie, it's not a consideration. It's just like, right, I can take out that one, that one, that one, that one. I can I can move around here, distract them and do that. So every battle now, because Ellie feels like a stronger character, I, I, it's not as tense. It feels the tension comes from the tactical planning uh, rather than the actual situations. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. feel like... Joel in The Last of Us 1 where I was just like oh Christ if I you know I've got one bullet left and and that's it and a and a you know like one one hit left on my melee melee weapon Ellie feels like just a stronger character Hmm. and as I was saying before about the things that they didn't tell you in Last of Us 1 where I wish they did there is a move right and I and I saw this on the uh Grounded documentary they made of last of us and it was a developer it's just like yeah the, the the best thing i love to do is getting a bottle or a brick throwing it into them whilst they're staggering you can just take them out of one hit and i was just like what yeah. hang on a second you never told me that i could be doing like i and, and when i replay the last of us i was just like there are plenty of bottles and bricks around and you know they can distract a couple of the things for a few moments, but I really don't find them that useful. Here in The Last of Us Part 2, like whenever I go into any new area, it's the first thing I equip is a bottle or a brick. And I'm just like walking around with a brick That's in my hand. Fantastic. But but immediately they're like, here are the tools you need to 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 fight these enemies yeah. off. And I and I feel as a player, I feel a lot more equipped to actually combat combat these enemies and even though there are there are moments where there is like tension because i don't know what's around the corner at least when something hits me around the corner i've got options now i feel like i've there's variety in the tactics like they actually say like running away is an option like run like ellie can dodge 
which Joel couldn't do, which is yeah. the most frustrating thing in The Last of Us, where you're just trying to get away and you're like you're just pressing circle as if it would do anything, but just doesn't. I think on that point, the some of the mechanics they've built in in terms of dodging and running away really do change how you approach things and you ch- change how you approach things in a very realistic way and i think a lot of the re- the mechanical changes that they brought in are done so to make it much more realistic but not in a detrimental way so one that yeah. i thought was actually fantastic is um there's a mechanic in there which kind of takes you away from a, tr- a, a typical kind of cover shooter trope where if you're relatively close to someone who's taking a shot at you you might basically think I've got enough life, I can get over to them and melee them and I can beat them that way. But mm-hmm. there is a mechanic in the game that if you're running directly at someone, their accuracy becomes basically lethal and their accuracy improves if you're running towards them. As you would, if you're running at someone with a gun, they're not going to suddenly miss you because you're closer to them. You mm-hmm. So you you there's no real benefit to you running towards them. However, if you run away from them or run to the side, their accuracy is lessened because you're a more difficult target to hit. So introducing that mechanic, it makes you play it in a much more realistic way. Traditionally, say if I'm playing Uncharted and I've got a bit of cover, as soon as he, I don't know, tries to reload, I'm making a beeline for him and I doesn't matter, I can take a few bullets because I've got enough life. Whereas this, for one, if I get hit, it's going to knock me back a little bit because that's just the mechanic that The Last of Us has anyway. But also, I'm much more likely to die by running at someone than I am trying to just es- trying to escape. And when I have, there have been times where I've thought, you know what, I'm getting out of here. This is too much going on. And I've run and yeah. I've felt that kind of adrenaline rush of like that panic of getting away and people are chasing me and I need to do that. And it hasn't felt like just leaving a battle area, which sometimes games can feel that way. It doesn't feel that way. It feels like I need to find somewhere and then what, I've got no time to rest. I've got to find a way to get out of this situation. And it all feels very organic in how it's developing those things. It's also like making the player move away or to the side from an enemy is also a very smart bit of design because the simplest way to tackle an enemy in any game is to go directly towards them, right? Like, yeah. And there's no actual strategy in that. Like, That's no. just an action game. Whereas if, if the game is teaching you flank them, go around them use the environment that actually then makes you uh, make choices like actually meaningful choices about how you're going to tackle the the space that isn't just well i'm just going to sit here and fire or i'm just going to walk towards them and hit them like and i think that's that sounds really really quite yeah really quite smart i think just on the on the on the point of tension as well chris because uh, i'd agree with sam to to kind of a point in terms of the the levels you feel of tension i think one thing about the game and the the comparison i'd make would be the difference between uncharted 3 and uncharted 4 one of the big differences because the game is fundamentally at its core the same one of the big differences that feeling of expansion of this world is bigger and this world is alive and that's the feeling i get going from last of us one to last of us two that world is bigger and it's alive and so what that means is there are there are times when you're in a big open space times when you're in smaller spaces and whilst i might go around an area which is more open and as i as personally as i play it with last of us i do lots of exploring and stuff like that and i've got freedom to do that i don't feel as much tension there because as sam says if something pops out at me i do have the, the ability to deal with it but there was a there were, i was playing it last night and there was a point where for a good 20 minutes i was on the edge of my seat kind of heart thumping just 
tension because I didn't know what was going to happen and I thought something was going to happen but I didn't know and it's that kind of that tension absolutely is there and they know how to just ratchet it up and it's to that point where you purposely you don't want to run around because you're you're a bit worried you want to creep around but when you're creeping around that kind of makes it worse because it's a bit slower and the music is that tension is because you know at any point and that it's it gets you going and it was one of the things where you kind of you find yourself like not breathing because you're just kind of so worried and i, I was mm. sitting there with my my wife because she's been watching me play she enjoys watching me play she doesn't like it when i'm in getting to kind of fights and stuff like that but the way i play there's lots of time where i'm not getting into that and i was i was talking to her, like this music has been going for about 20 minutes and it's just kind of getting me and i'm not really there's no let up there's no release if you go into any game if there's a tension as soon as you get an enemy there's a release you're like okay i can kill an enemy and there's a release there are times within this game which it happened in the first game as well but i think it's just done better here where it just holds you and just says you know what i'm gonna just i'm gonna drag this out for a little bit longer because you're not gonna like this but for a game to get that emotion out of you is fantastic and i have to say i mean i'm limiting myself to how much i play this because i want to i want to drag it out i want to experience it over a longer period of time rather than just like bash through it over a, a week or something like that so i'm really kind of taking my time with it but like every night i've played it that night i've been having dreams related to this kind of stuff and that doesn't typically happen with me where it gets that inside my head and it has it stayed with me more than probably any other game i can think of i mean i think even more so than the first last of us that the story and the the way the game is working on on my level it's really staying with me and it's it there's there's a lot, lot to like about this game. And as I said, I'm not... My, my wife said to me, because the thing I have with Naughty Dog games, especially kind of probably from around maybe Uncharted 3, maybe after after Uncharted 2, when I start a game, I start it thinking, this is a good chance this could be the best game I've ever played. And mm. there's like a, there's, for me, there's like an element of importance on that. So when I started The Last of Us, I was like, this, this could be that I want to enjoy this. I want to kind of experience it. It could be the best thing I've ever played. I felt the same with part two. And my wife said to me, like, is it the best game you've ever played? And I was like, well, I can't say yet because it's in, I need to see in its entirety. But as of yet, it's done nothing to shape me from that. I can't mm. make that decision until I've got to the end and probably sometime afterwards once I've reflected. But as I stand at the moment, it's doing everything right and it's working for me on every single level. All the refinement is just in these little tiny details that just reinforce everything about it and make it so much more of a richer and more beautiful experience it's like a good stock you know it's it's you know it's not just shoving a cube in and watching it dissolve it's actually all those little things all those little notes and flavors that you just wouldn't realize on occasion they've just absolutely perfected and i think it takes a game company to be very brave i think from what i know about game development to go here's a sequel we're actually not going to change much about how the game plays but we're actually going to change a lot of the things going underneath it to support the play and to support I, the story. I, so in summary then, The Last of Us is an OXO cube. The Last of Us Part 2 <laughs> is a Noor's stockpot. <laughs> yes, Chris. Exactly that. Um, it's funny, actually, Dan, you talking about um, how this game is inflected upon your dreams. I've actually just recently been playing a game where I deliberately try to make that happen and engineer that happening. I've never done that before, what? where I deliberately play a game 
right before bed at night just because I feel it just works very well for the enjoyment of it. Have you ever had a lucid dream, Chris? I have once, yes. Uh, yes, me uh, too, once. And that's me where, too. obviously, you're aware that you're dreaming. Um, oh, no, twice, twice. What did you What did you do? I went flying. I went flying uh, as well. Yeah, I went flying for the first time, and the second time I had a lucid dream was... And this this is this is one of my favourite stories to tell about video games. Chris and I have been playing Dead Space Two, and or Dead Space Three. Uh, I had a dream that night that something. I had a night. I had a nightmare that night that something was stalking me, and I had a moment of lucidity within the dream where it's just like, hang on, I've got a plasma cutter, <laughs> and I turned around <laughs> and just shot and killed the thing that was chasing me Amazing. in my nightmare. And since then, I've not had a nightmare like that since. Like, I my my brain has just like given itself the yeah, tools it yeah. needs. Your brain, your your subconscious has been like, fair enough, can't do that. Well, uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter we'll what the dream is. You're something always better. I've got a plasma gun. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. And this isn't uh, a horror game by any stretch of the imagination. This is Kentucky Route Zero, which I suppose is really Ooh. almost like there is a little bit of of a Last of Us quality affixed to this game because I kept seeing it being mentioned in point and click story led um, games. It was highly regarded. It was a real labor of love. Seven years worth of mm. development overall, in which sections of the game would be released and it was kick-started way back in 2013 and i played this on my switch Lite. i got everything together i think it's the tv edition i think it's called and it's also yeah so this is this consoles. is the complete edition isn't it so all five all five episodes i think Full, all uh, five acts with like five acts. episodes occurring in between them that you can kind of play as well that segue neatly between the acts it, it's crazy to think that some people have been playing this game for seven years i know uh, it got it got to the point where you could actually ring a helpline that will give an automated message to tell you how the how far in development the next I love part it. of the act was. I love it. That does That's not great. surprise me in the slightest. This is from, <laughs> this is from Carball Computer and our our friends Annapurna Interactive, who we spoke about in the last pod, mm. and we spoke about point and click adventures last time with the Cosmos Adventure games. And I, to be mm. honest, I've not really had much experience with point and clicks. I've never played Broken Sword, say for example, and I. I don't know how much, how typical Kentucky Route Zero is as a point and click. For me, it it seems more like a a, a kind of a text led adventure. Really, okay. um, it doesn't feel overtly point and clickery. It, it it feels that there's lots of text that one kind of works through. Yes, you're you're pointing on the screen, and yes, there is some clicking, but primarily most of your time is spent scrolling through text. And the, the concept is you're a delivery driver named Conway on your last job transporting antiques in your lorry across this mysterious route zero in kentucky and as sam said it takes place over five acts in which you essentially meet a variety of people on your way and you make certain choices in the text that lead to certain textual outcomes but they don't have massive um, effects you can't fail you can't die you're just there for the ride and the atmosphere the mood it kind of gets for me is those moments where if any of you've ever been kind of traveling or backpacking where you find yourself in some kind of a hostel just playing cards with people there and you've you've literally just met these people i remember being in a hostel i think i was in fort william in scotland and there was a south african uh, a girl from germany and a canadian and me and my mate and we were playing uh cards together and it was just one of those moments where you think each of these people has got a story and and you know just thinking about that that moment of synchronicity that we're all here now 
Mm. Uh, it's whether it's determinism, where it's chance, whatever. It's it's it, it's that feeling, those fleeting moments of meetings and partings, and you really get that sense of that in this game. That, that the enjoyment of wanting to just go out in the world and just have these experiences and meet these people, uh, because like it's a difficult game to really explain. It's like trying to recall a dream, and nobody's dreams mm. are interesting to anyone else other than yourself. And <laughs> wow. It, you know what I mean, and it's it's just mm. one of those things. So if I try to explain to you these some of these moments, it just would sound completely banal and mundane. But like when I, when it's like half eleven at night, and like I'm I'm, I'm my, my eyes are drooping even more as I'm getting more and more <laughs> tired, it just enters into you this wonderful dreamlike yeah, state yeah. where you've got like a petrol station with the sign of a horse's head. It's almost like these kind of sick <laughs> Freudian kind of things here. A giant bird carrying us over a map overhearing people's conversations in a bar which turns out you're in the set of a play and do you ever get points where you think you've experienced something or dreamt it do you ever get that confusion? yeah this is exactly what i was going to mention right in the final act sam i got to a point where something happened and it was the first time i've ever had it in a game deja vu and i was thinking did this is this linking back to something that happened in the game or did i dream this and i genuinely <laughs> oh didn't know and i still don't know and it really is it is such a lovely experience it's not an intensive roller coaster of a ride and i think there's some benefits to it taking place over like seven years of development like it's something yeah. you really just want to savor and it's just those those dreams you have once in a moment that really once in a blue moon that really affect you and just stay with you for a bit that linger and you don't want to go back you don't want to watch walkthroughs you may not even ever want to replay it because it, it in some respects it tarnishes that moment you had mm. like those people I, i've encountered in all sorts of from all sorts of the world i don't track them down i don't look them up that was just a moment we had and it's you know these meetings and partings so like those kind of dreams you don't read into it too much and like you know you've had it when you're trying to record a dream you start to forget it more it's a bit like yeah. that really and it's just hypnotizing so it's it's smack for me a lot of films of david lynch there's a little bit of virginia in here sam which we talked spoken yeah. about in the past but it's even more bizarre than that like there was a moment where like there's one scene sam where i just go mushroom picking at night and it was just extraordinary another bit i'm a floor manager at a local tv station and it's <laughs> and, and again these may sound completely boring banal things they're not high octane but they're just so profound so incredibly moving at times and deeply philosophical and just what i need right now and it sends me to sleep at night with just this wonderful feeling and mm. i wake up the next day and i've had some some incredible dreams as a consequence of playing this game and it's such a hard game to describe to people but it I, what i can say is that i get its plaudits i get the reason why it's beloved by so many people it has such a cult following but um like most dreams it's in it's probably one of the most subjective experiences i've ever had to my subjective accounts it's very difficult to talk about but i really do recommend it and it's really lovely handheld on the switch light just knowing that everything's there that i haven't got to wait around and i can pick and choose when i want to play it it's great and i've been playing this over several months i started this months ago how, how long how long is the game in its entirety do you know or take a guess well i've just googled it okay, Pete, right, okay. how long uh, so it's uh, eight to twelve hours long. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, and I googled it because that sounds fantastic. But unfortunately, I've got to that point in my life where I have to go to howlongtobeat.com to find out. Okay, if I buy this, is there actually any real chance that I'll finish it? Yeah, but if you're playing it for like ten or fifteen minutes before you go to bed every night, or half an hour, 
That's yeah. true. Then that's what I'm doing. That's all I'm doing, basically. Yeah. I, I, uh, sometimes some scenes happen really quickly based on the choices you make. There are some bits of this game I've missed entirely because I just said I don't fancy it. Like, you know, <laughs> and, and it's great. And it just, it, 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 it knows that. Hmm. Some, some moments really are quite surprising in it. There's like one sequence, for example, which is told entirely through CCTV footage. And I'm watching the other characters explore the world. And I'm just choosing the text between those in the, the kind of security guard office who are going through these old tapes, watching it and commenting on what they see. And it's, it's like that sequence when you're in Metal Gear Solid 2. And for the first time, you're seeing, oh, someone else is playing as Snake. What are they doing mm. as to how I play Snake? Mm. And it's really, you know, it does these really interesting things with a point and click that I really quite like. And... Um, I don't want to go on it for too much, um, too much time. But if you, if you, if that's, if that really strikes a chord of you, that kind of mood, that 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 grabs me. Check yeah, it out. Really I really would me. recommend checking it out. And it's split into five acts. Just play it in small doses. Um, but really, I can't highly recommend enough playing it just before you go to sleep at night hmm. for your milk and your cookies. <laughs> yeah definitely for you mate because it's in your drawer you've just got pints of milk and packets of cookies <laughs> in your it, it, uh, next to the bed he's got one of those heating rings just to warm up there. <laughs> did did uh did you did your grandparents have a teas made oh yes, yeah i did yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i've I, i'm determined that the teas made is one invention that needs to be redesigned for the 21st century oh because yeah. I, I think lives that will be improved by waking up to hot water and tea or coffee or I, whatever. That is one of the few. Um, that is one of the few sort of um, slightly old couple things that Alex and I do. So if if so if one of us is up earlier rather than the other one because we well, obviously we've got the bun uh, and we need to uh, you know make sure he's up and stuff. And uh, one of us will make a cup of tea for the other one who's still in bed. Mm-hmm. And that is, there is nothing sweeter. I know we've got quite a lot of international listeners. There is nothing sweeter than a cup of milky British tea in bed. Just as, just being handed to you, just as you come into the realm of consciousness and somebody foists a mug of the, 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 the restorative into but your with hand. A, with a tea's made, you're no longer dependent on another on another person to yeah and and i think that would be sweet but i think it would be a second class of sweet because the first class of it is you waking up and, and a loved one is here have this feel great <laughs> chucks it in your face Pete, Pete, I, ob- I object to you referring to it as an old couple thing because that's that, i mean that's just daily life <laughs> no, it's, it's what we do as well but like like yeah, yeah it I, definitely that's the, is you, if you're calling that an old couple thing you're calling me an old couple and i, I object to that Wow. I mean, wow. I, I'm just picturing Pete in like, you know, striped pajamas and one of those hats with a little bobble. Oh, see, I was, I was imagining yeah. him in like a silk like a, yeah. dressing gown. Yeah. Well, what if you fancy? Sam, how would you how would you improve it? Like, are we talking about some kind of Wallace and Gromit contraption? I feel like if a tease made is going to be brought into the 21st century, then it needs DAB radio. Ooh. I t- I'll tell you what it needs. I'll tell you what you need, Sam, and you would like this. You need to have a function have multiple types of tea bags available yeah so you could do like a russian roulette thing in the morning i mean i wouldn't i mean i wouldn't make it dangerous i just kind of like set it i want matcha tea in the morning so there's a button and it's made for you i want a green tea i want a peppermint tea well chaps i'm pleased to announce that they are still (laughs) making new teas maids no they're not yep no they're not yeah please tell me that they're still massive and unwieldy they're definitely what you would see in a sort of countryside uh, B&B. 
But yeah, no, they, they definitely are. And in fact, the thing that's taken over, it looks like, in the world of Teasmates is the is the the mini coffee machine what as in like an espresso or um a thing or like a grinder coffee grinder well like like you put two mugs in at the very bottom and then at the top i guess you have like water and you fill it up in the in the in the in the evening and then yeah there's a a a, 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 a it filters the coffee and gives that to you in the morning my word oh some of these are Ugly beyond belief. I mean, one of them's Worth it, one of them's called a vintage teas made. Yeah. Oh, doesn't that look good though? Oh my god, the video. Oh my god, the video the for small this. Ch- and and the way the way that the video is talking, like there's a narrator who's going through the entire thing, and it's very obvious that she's talking to old people. What's better <laughs> than a really nice cup of tea early in the morning? Remember. Remember nearly setting fire to your bedroom with one of the old ones. I swear that's why they're just not made. Like the fact that the only one is called Swan Vintage Teas Made with yeah. alarm clock yeah. is just like, remember how good life was. Remember how good it was when you scolded yourself because you'd <laughs> slapped your arm over the side of the bed and then you popped it onto your teas made. Oh, it's just absolutely fantastic. I love it. Did I tell you about the time my brother um, borrowed the electric blanket off my grandparents? And, no. Uh, he left it on all night and <laughs> he basically poached himself. <laughs> he woke up with a massive headache, completely dehydrated. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> completely dried yeah. out. Yeah, he, he said he could hear himself blinking. <laughs> just peeing salt. He's just, he's just human jerky. No, it, was just, it was just a powdery mist. <laughs> Oh, lads, I had my first Beyond Burger. All right, yeah. Okay. Now, Dan. Yes, Peter. Beyond Burgers are, I think we're in agreement, Chris, Sam and I, that they are some of, if not the best vegetarian, like meat substitute, like trying to be a meat. Do you know what yes. I mean? Like, So like they look like and grill like real. And smell like. And smell like beef burgers, right? Mm-hmm. And like. As a vegetarian, like there are a few things that I miss, but one of them is definitely burgers. Like burgers was like the thing for me, and they for the longest time they just were no good, right? They were just a bit naff. So you, we've all done them, we all love them. So Dan, what is the official frost verdict? Well, of all of us, I'm probably the furthest away of being a vegetarian. I'm I'm, a, right. I'm, a, I'm as far along the spectrum as everyone else. You're an Inuit, yes, we all yeah. do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I've I've I wanted to I wanted to try them because I've I've I'm really really fascinated by the science behind them and the amount of science that went into trying to replicate a burger down to the kind of the juices that come out of it trying to replicate beef and that to me is really really interesting. So I saw them in the shops like you know I get them. We don't usually have burgers. About eighteen months ago we had burgers and got food poisoning. Never really wanted them since. Oh, yeah, um, it's difficult to go back in there once yeah. you had food poisoning. But especially I mean my wife just does not want never wants to buy burgers and like have them like cook them in the house and stuff like that which is completely understandable um so but we decided to get these and we had them i tell you what they're pretty good i yeah, mean they're pretty good they're pr- they're pretty good and to be fair my wife finished it she was like this is probably the most surprised i've been of something like this year she was like i had no expectations and this is nicer than most burgers i've had oh yeah, yeah. not just no, not just kind of non-meat this is just nicer than a lot of the burgers full stop yeah yeah 
And it yeah. is. I mean, when I was when I was young, a veggie burger was like breaded potato with peas and sweet corn in it. That's what a veggie burger was at that time. This is which for me, there's a time and a place for that because there's there's a, a nice little treat of having that. Sometimes I'll put that in with a Beyond burger. Oh, you rebel! Like, it's like a hash brown. It's nice. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed Good. them. Really glad to hear that, Dan. There's a whole world, Dan, of things that are trying to be like that. So Alex and I got into. Um, it's called oomph. Yeah. Is, yeah. is this suitable for this kind of... Yeah, no, that's not a quaint British phrase for something. Yeah. It's, but you and um, Alex got into oomph. Oomph. It's this, oh, it's this absolutely incredible range, I believe. I think I believe it's a range of, like, quote-unquote meats that are all, you know, vegetarian. And some of them replicate kebab meat. And some of them replicate, like, chicken wings. And some of them replicate, like, one of them's, uh, one of the uh, ones, uh, Linda McCartney, God bless her. Uh, she did uh, She did a duck, shredded duck. And I'm telling you, all of them are equal to, if not better than, like, most of most of those that you would buy in a store. Like, they are just phenomenal. And the, ama- the other amazing thing about it is that you can convince yourself that you're eating healthy. Mm. Yeah, you can try. You can try. But the, the Beyond Burger was really interesting because when I was cooking it, like um, my partner doesn't really like the smell of meat cooking, and she okay. said, "I can't, I can't be here while you're doing the Beyond Burger because it actually, as Sam was saying, you know, it does smell like meat, and it's really confusing because I was worried about like um, cross contamination, like you usually are with meat, and I had to just stop myself and think, no, actually, there's not an issue here. This is plant based, and I'm I'm an omnivore. I I eat, you know, I eat meat. I don't eat it as much as I used to." Um, and I'm, I'm very big on veggie food and things and like i, I said i said look I'm, I'm quite happy never to have a beef burger ever again i'm quite happy with this this is yeah. this is great it takes out all the faff that goes with cooking meat and you know all the ethics as well and and it just and it just was fantastic the main thing is that you sort of basically know what's going in it oh yeah <laughs> like that that for me is the thing with the beyond burger it's like it's like i know that th- i know that this is not whatever it is that's packed into a 10 pack of iceland uh, like like frozen burgers <laughs> which is like 70 like percent water yeah 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 now with vitamin k yeah it's it's just oof, oof. yeah when when uh when my wife she was she was cooking them while i was putting the boy to bed and she was like yeah i've left them in just a bit longer um because i know it's okay if it's pink in the middle but i just wanted to be safe so i just wanted to leave it in for a bit longer and i was kind of like but it's plants. It's 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 plant-based <laughs> burgers. <laughs> it's you don't have to because obviously they look exactly like burgers. They smell like burgers. They, they cook as if they are. So it's easy for your mind, as Chris, you were saying, for your mind to kind of flip over and be like, oh yeah, I've got to treat them the same. As Sam, you you mentioned to me like mm. you leave, if you leave them out, it's better beforehand as you would with normal beef burgers. Yeah, you would usually leave. I mean, if you do steaks stuff like that, mm. you'd leave it out. But yeah, she was like, yeah, I don't I don't want it to be pink in the middle. I don't I don't want to because obviously she's like, I don't want to take that risk. We've been burnt in the past with pink burgers that we don't mm. want to be facing that again. But yeah, don't have to worry when it's just plants. I've, I've, I've really been falling behind on my audiobook okay. consumption. And so I've been really trying to find stuff to play while I've been listening to audiobooks. And um, one of the ones that I downloaded uh, while I was doing this did not turn out to be a good audiobook uh, game. I thought it was going to be a, 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 a fantastic audiobook game, but it turns out it wasn't. Because it turns out it wasn't the game I thought it was, which was really fascinating. Uh, it, this has been one of the most interesting experiences I've had with a game recently. So the game is called Treachery in Beatdown City. 
oh i saw the trailer for this right and like that trailer is really interesting in that like you get a hint of what's going on but i'm one of these people who i tend to like buy games i do buy games on mechanics and i do go and read read uh read stuff but sometimes i'll just be like i will just immediately go you know what that looks great i just want to buy that because that looks fantastic that looks exactly what i want right now and sometimes that's burned me so i recently i bought a game called pipe and i didn't think it was very good it looked like skate but for bmx and it just didn't really gel with me but i just bought that straight off the bat and it's happened to me on you know uh, a bunch of other previous games and stuff and i actually, and i bought that trucking game uh uh on that as well i was just like sounds fantastic i'll give that a go um and treachery and beatdown city was one of those choices i basically just saw the visuals and it looks like double dragon yes basically. it really does it looks incredible um it looks like nez specifically nez double dragon um mm. so um it it just looks fantastic so it looks like this side-scrolling uh brawler uh it's got this kind of uh, uh like like 80s urban as in like like double dragon 2 had where it was like the nuclear apocalypse of 199x has caused blah blah but and it's like in the city streets it kind of like the mad gear gang from final fight and all that sort of stuff that kind of like 80s night early 90s urban uh that you found in those um uh those those brawling games and i was just immediately like yep don't care don't want to watch any more of this trailer yep i'm gonna purchase it Oh, the, have you have you seen the trailer with the rap song? Oh yeah, that's what that's the one I was talking about. Yeah. Oh no, it's I, incredible. Because I, I watched that and I was just like, I am on board with this game. Hold it's, on, it's it, incredible. For me, it's, it's a synopsis. So it sounds utterly balmy, but there's a, there's a, yeah, there's a yeah, kind yeah. of a wry satirical quality to it as well. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> I must have seen I must have seen something else then because I absolutely did not put two and two together when I when I downloaded this, and. Because it does, like I say, it does look like uh, a double dragon. And it, as I say, it has that kind of aesthetic to it. And then I knew that it would have this kind of satirical look into uh, culture. And uh, specifically, there's a, a bunch of stuff around like around things like race and class and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was going to take a satirical swipe at it. But it's 100% goes for it in the game. Like, it is not subtle at all. And it's really good. Um, it is really quite shocking to play it, actually, at times. Because you're like, I can't believe a video game talked in that way. And not in a, like, I am, I am like, offended. But it definitely in a, like, Games don't often do this, which is fascinating. So mm. basically, I got into this thinking, as I, as I say, as I was, you know, as I was saying, like I was getting into this thinking, great, nice side scrolling beat 'em up. I'll put my uh, put my uh, uh, podcasts and audiobooks on. I'll do that. And actually, no, because not only is it not really a side scrolling beat 'em up, there are little tiny bits of that as part of the overall package. It's actually a JRPG. It's a okay. it's a, a game in which there's kind of it's kind of a a, a mix of like Final Fantasy IV's active time battle stuff, and but also a little bit of that Kunio Kun series of you do have free movement of an individual character and you can throw individual punches, but really what the game wants you to do is use a vats like Fallout system whereby you you walk up to the um your enemy and you've built this bar o- bar over a certain amount of time and you press this essentially this vat system you essentially that pause the game and then you've got an infinite amount of time to choose what you're going to do next so for example there's a grappler character and 
a bunch of the stuff that you want to do with that character is obviously built around grapples. So you might soften someone up with a couple of punches and then uh, go into a grapple and then do like a finishing move or something like that. So it has this like tactical choice to it that you would have with a JRPG. But it also has, uh, so it also has like an overworld map. And again, I thought that this might be a sort of like slightly like open world or that you would go from stage to stage and do lots of different fights and so on. And I guess it is kind of like going to different stages, but really it's basically moving from one fight to another fight. And uh, it's actually reminded me a lot of a game called Unlimited Saga on the PlayStation 2, which I don't think did particularly well, but it did have quite a core audience, a hardcore audience to it. And it really was just all about fighting. And this game reminded me of that as well. It really got to me this idea of the game is really just interested in in brawling in the same way that a side-scrolling brawler like Streets of Rage, for example, is just interested in fighting. It's just that the mechanics are very different to what you were expecting. So again, once again, like there was a real sense of, again, surprise of I'm expecting this one thing. I'm expecting a brawling game. And actually it turns out to be a, a much, much more down the sort of JRPG uh, route. The audio is superb so that trailer that um that you you sent to me is fantastic this this rap yeah. uh, rap trailer and that'll be the one i linked to uh in the notes but but the actual like and you'll hear a little bit of it in the in the trailer as well the chip tune music is insanely good like it is mm-hmm. excellent like Al- yeah. like alex was sat there uh sat um near me while i was playing it she was like this is fantastic like this and she's not into that stuff so like she was yeah well into this uh, into these uh, chiptune sounds really really great great work on that the art is superb it manages to keep up with the dungeons uh, with the double dragon uh, visual style throughout the entire thing like again there's a lot of retro games out there that are like oh look we're totally like it totally looks like super mario brothers except it doesn't like it doesn't look anything like that this game looks like it fell out of 1991 and it looks like a double dragon sequel like it is Mm. excellent and then the the cutscenes in which so there's two i think there's kind of two qualities of cutscenes that they have there's one that is doing the kind of dialogue the really sharp like politically tuned in very like right on kind of writing between characters the moments in which they're basically just doing dialogue of these enemies that you're going to fight uh fight against and the enemies really are quite well written in that like you really hate them like you come away from it like oh yeah actually i do know people who are like that and they are awful and the main characters are quite well written as well like you know the actual personalities are are, are quite good too quite fun you root for them um but but the actual visuals there are not they're not particularly like exciting but the visuals of bigger story beats for example president orama being kidnapped by ninjas yeah ninja dragon terrorists (laughs) yeah like like that those scenes are really well put together and really are some excellent pixel art like really really um uh, good and i will say that that is the level i will say this like that is the level of social commentary that they're making. They are not, again, there is no, it's not the kind of social commentary of something like a fear and loathing, right? Like it's not that level of like, it's not even that level uh, of subtext. It's just very overt about what it's doing. But it licks along and it does give you enough of a reason to to keep moving forward in the same way, again, like Double, Dra- uh, uh, like Double Dragon 2's writing is not Shakespeare. Like, it, you know, it, 
it does the job it gets across i mean double dragon 3's writing they spelled the name of the characters wrong like like you know like that's the <laughs> level of quality that was working at so it, it's perfect again it's perfectly suitable for that kind of game but again it isn't that kind of game and that's what i came away from it thinking like what a fascinating experience that i have of i had my preconceived notions over what that game was going to be very much changed and it was all based on me just buying it because the art looked good that was another episode of staying in with daniel frost peter willington sam turner and myself chris darby for those of you interested in treachery and beatdown city you can get it on the nintendo switch steam and even the playstation vita kentucky route zero is available on consoles and pc and mac the Last of Us Part 2 is obviously a PlayStation exclusive, and the Swan Vintage Tea Made is available from all good electrical goods retailers. Because of all the Last of Us Part 2 chat, we weren't able to squeeze in a listener question this time round. However, if you have something burning to ask or recommend to us, please get in touch. At Staying In Pod is where you can find us on social media, or just send us an old-fashioned electronic mail to stayinginpod at gmail.com. That's all one word, stayinginpod at gmail.com. Sweet dreams.